Who's the what? Are you bugging, fam? I didn't hear you. So are you, you just said LeBron did a soccer. Oh, have you not seen that video where they were talking about that guy? He's trying to pull his Pulisic stuff. And he's talking about, yeah, Pulisic is probably considered, you know, the LeBron James of soccer, you know? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Biomedics Talk Ball podcast. I'm your host again, Karis, and I'm joined as usual by Kevin and Denzel. It's been a while, but it's good to be back. And in these last two weeks, there's so much that has happened with the football. So in this episode, we'll talk about many things such as the United and Villa game, the Arsenal-Liverpool game and the fallout over the cancellation of the North London derby. A little bit about AFCON, um, the Chelsea game against City, a little bit about Lukaku, a bit about De Bruyne and various other topics as usual. So I think we should just get started. So just to set the scene for the Villa game, um, it was 2-2. Bruno Fernandes got two goals for United. They started in a very dominant fashion, which we haven't seen that much under Ranier because he's talked about having control of games. They started the game quite well. And then, you know, as it continued to grow, um, Villa got into the game quite a lot. Jacob Ramsey was very influential. Coutinho came on and he knew that the script was going to be written. So I think Kevin, as the United fan, should talk more about this game and what he thought. Uh, well, man, it's been a while. So. Um... <laughs> The hatred that's building in me is not it's, it's not it's not of a godly nature, I must say, when it comes to Manchester United. Because I personally feel like under what right should we be giving guys a come up to rejuvenate their career like this? How did we let Felipe Continuo dominate Manchester United in 2022? This guy, this guy had me finished. When, when was the last time Felipe Continuo was actually of relevance? Like the um, Bayern game against Barca. Yeah, don't like the Champions League winner. Respect his name, bro. Bro, bro. The thing <laughs> is that yeah, knocked out his parent club. That's a different no, level of grease, brother. <laughs> even if, even if, <laughs> if you've got, even it, you've got if, it. Even if Felipe Coutinho was the second coming of Ronaldinho, yeah, you have to have enough respect for yourself to not get dominated like that, especially twenty minutes. So I'll just quick, quickly, quick analysis of the game. So Manchester United came to a very rare two 0 um, lead. And to be fair, we weren't playing well. Manchester United, even when United are winning, the scoreline often kind of blushes United. You kind of think, well, United are playing well. The first goal was a freak accident, really. The second goal, I guess, we're all right play here and there. But it wasn't necessarily anything that would really make a United fan be like, yeah, there's future. There's a future here. But my problem is, Ralph Rangnick, yeah, he something financial fair play. I, I, I don't know, maybe false advertising. This guy is shit, fam. <laughs> Ralph Rennick is shit. We told like, you. We tried to the problem, the, the problem is, yeah. So you guys who are listening, yeah, I'm very new to Twitter. Isn't it? I'm sure I'm very, very new to Twitter. So while I was hearing well, a lot, these are sound bites I was hearing. I was hearing God, um, God of German. I think I don't know if they said the God or the the the, the Godfather. Of German football, yeah, the Gegen Press, more like a Gegen Press. I've not seen it, bro. This guy is finished. I was being told that he is the the mentor to Nagelsmann, Klopp, Tuchel. I was thinking, this is beautiful. Like United are actually making like a statement signing, but we need a DNA test. This guy cannot be the father of anything. This guy is useless. <laughs> but when he played four four two against Burnley, to him losing a midfield battle against Aston Villa. And not realizing that, and brought on Jesse Lingard, especially when you did defense. I'm not gonna lie to you, man. I might have to be the first one to say, like, Rangnick, we need to hurry up and put, put him to consultancy. This guy's not serious. He's not serious at all. And United themselves need to actually have to look at a, a long, hard look at themselves. We're not in a very good position. And if we don't, if we continue playing this bullshit, realistically, Aston Villa will overtake us because on, they, on two games now, they should have won. You lot are basically playing a flat 4-4-2 and just playing Route 1 football. <laughs> Denzel, I'm going to ask you quickly, um, what did you think of Jacob Ramsey's performance? Because I think people don't talk about it enough compared to Coutinho. Um, obviously, Coutinho stole the show in it because it's like, oh, yeah, he's coming back to the Premier League or whatever. But I think he's going to be one to watch this season after performance like that, you know, because I wouldn't be surprised if later on we hear him like, you know, like that season that um, Calvert-Lewin had, where he kind of like found yeah, yeah. and his name was everywhere. 
I wouldn't be surprised if Jacob Ramsey started to get into that kind of rhythm because you just need a good number 10 to unlock a player like that sometimes. And that's what Coutinho is. Like Coutinho came back with a vengeance to show Bruno Fernandes what a number 10 does. <laughs> yes. All this time, yes. Bruno Fernandes has been there with a shit performance, doesn't do anything, but he manages to bag one goal and everyone thinks he's a good number 10. No, 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 no. Oh, Denzel, no, no, no. I know he's not a good number 10. Please do not put me in that, in that category. I know he's not a good number 10. <laughs> and, and another thing, yeah, I also want people to understand when you're talking about these new these newcomers, yeah, please apply the United tax. Jacob Ramsey, <laughs> Jacob Ramsey, or whatever his name is, is a good footballer. However, this guy will go to Man City and flop. And it's because of games like this that get these man gassed. We're just a now, shit side. Fair, yeah. He scored against us as well. He looks really good. I can't even lie. Are you guys serious? That's not serious. Yes. Compared to you. But yeah. You can't, you can't Jacob Ramsey. Right now. How old is Jacob Ramsey? I have no idea, bro. Um, I just know that he's very young, but I don't know the exact age. I believe he's like maybe 20 or something. He's got bro, time to I develop. I'm not going to lie. His career. No, he'll develop. He'll develop. Yeah, he's... But you, bro, just apply United tax. Isn't it? Just apply United Yeah, he's, tw- he's 20 years old. Yeah. Aston Villa's not his final destination, bro. I'm telling you now, he'll, no end, up, he'll end up at a top six club. 100%. But at the age he is now, yeah, he, will, he won't do that against City. You never know this guy. I'm telling you, he's a very fearless baller. Like, applied the United tax. He got you. subbed on against Arsenal and just banged the top corner. This guy's mad. Like, Gerard will just unlock something in him. Trust me. But don't you think it's kind of crazy that Gerard has got more out of his side than... Massive, have you even gone as far as saying he's got more out of this side in a matter of weeks? It's been weeks slash months he's been there compared to Oli in two years. Did you see what he did with Rangers? Yeah, no cap. Like, you can't really compare out. them because and Oli was managing PE teachers in Norway's like Division 8 or something. <laughs> so, yeah, for Mold, yeah, yeah. Whereas Gerard was like, I swear he went unbeaten in Europa League or something like that. Not in the league, I think. Yeah, like Gerard did bits with Rangers. Like he proved himself over there and he done it the right way. So But there was the excuse to rank it though. Like not a single manager's bounce. I, I personally was that like... spot at Moscow to be fair. But Rang nah, but... this is what you're missing though. Rangnick's not a manager, he's a DOF. No, I get yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, like a sporting director or something. He's not a manager by trade. Fair enough, like he helped people at like Nagelsmann or whatever, but it's like those that can't do teach. He's Look not at a his... manager. First of all, look at this Bushman, Nagelsmann. It's Nagelsmann, bro. <laughs> you, were, you were calling Philippe Coutinho, Felipe Coutinho, or something like that. Man, trying to call me Bush. <laughs> no, nah, but on the road, though, yeah. But like, I don't know what, I, I, I don't know, but this just feel like, this feel like 419. Because personally, yeah, what I was told about this guy has not translated whatsoever. And like, even like, to be fair, I do support him not playing Rashford, though. Rashford deserved to be dropped. However, People keep saying Ronaldo Coutinho, Ronaldo Coutinho. In reality, if people who actually know football need to realise that it's not the strikers, bro. Strikers need service. There's no service. Working for Manchester United, yeah, you get more action if you're, like, working at a morgue. Watching dead people then, you get more, more thrill working that job than working as a striker for Manchester United. Because what service do you get, bro? No, like, that's true. This is why I disagree with people that always are like, you know, Ronaldo's the problem. Like, of course... When some of Ronaldo's mentality comes in, it's going to shake up everybody. Like, he's won everything there is to win in football. So you either shape up or you don't. It's as simple as that. You know what I mean? And, like, have you seen um, on Twitter how people said that um, certain people felt that Ronaldo's interview with Sky Sports was undeserved? I believe Denzel had actually brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's interviewed did what? He interviewed Sky Sports. So, for example, Ronaldo was saying that, oh, um, I think he said something like that, young members of the team, like, when I was yeah, yeah, 17, yeah, yeah. 18, 19, older members would speak to me. I was like, yeah, they know more than me. But let's let's actually look at the state of, not only Manchester United, but kind of like young players in, in, like, in the modern game. Ronaldo is a five-time Ballon d'Or winner, one of the greatest goal scorers of all time, arguably the greatest player of all time, has won everything that a footballer could want. And, and Ronaldo said that in, in, he was surprised that after the training session had concluded, no one else had followed him to um, continue training. From what I saw on Sky Sports News and like other articles that I've read, that Ronaldo meant more as a general comment towards just people in this modern age, not like at Greenwood or Elanga or any of them sort of young players, isn't it? It's just a more of a general comment saying that, you know, younger people in generation tend to not take criticism well. So 
as much as it is a general comment, I do believe very much that these men are still full within that mindset because realistically, in what general, in what, in what op- optimal world, yeah, will Mason Green will see Ronaldo running in behind and shoot from distance and miss? Grace, Mason Green was pissing me off as well, you know. <laughs> Mason Green was pissing me off as well. At your age, yeah, at your age, yeah, Ronaldo was tearing up midfields, tearing up defences. Yes, you do your thing on the side, yeah, but part, play the ball through, bro. You no, have no authority is, to be shooting that. He hasn't even been given enough game time to develop that. Oh, my God. So you're telling me, yeah, in Mason Grew's position, yeah, the greatest goal scorer of all time and running in behind, you're not playing him through? I wouldn't do that, obviously, but, like, football has changed, bro. I'm not going to lie. These guys are, like, 20, 21, and they're getting money, fam. As in, they're seeing money that Ronaldo, when he was their age, he didn't see that money until, like, 25, 26. Like, what's Sancho on? Sancho's, what, 21, 22? Is he not on, like, six figures a week? It's 250 plus. Yeah. So imagine being 21, 22, earning 250K a week. And Ronaldo's trying to tell you you're not doing this properly. Big man, I don't want to hear it. I'm driving the range. (laughs) You can't tell me nothing. Like, that's it's just an unfortunate side effect of how football's ruined money because, like, fair enough, like, that's Ronaldo giving you advice, isn't it? But he's probably thinking, not to say this is how Sancho thinks, just like any player in that bracket where they're earning that kind of money and at such a big club, they're thinking that, nah, I've kind of made it. I'm not going to lie, like, Manchester United bought me. I've done my thing in whatever league I was in. So I know what I'm doing kind of thing. If anything, like, the whole situation of United just kind of makes you think that, this is me being serious a little bit, that the next manager that you get, it has to be right. Because I feel like, I don't know how many managers you've had from Mourinho to Oli to Reinick as the interim right now. I feel like most of them don't know how to play players in their best positions or to get the best out of them. Like, even like with Greenwood, yeah, I get the whole idea that he's a bit greedy sometimes. Like, we can all see it, let's be honest. But mm. he's such an amazing talent. And I feel like he's wasted playing on the wing because he hasn't really got that sort of wing play, that explosive play you get from someone like Asaka, for example, who's been tearing it up for us right now. And you can tell that he's much better as a central striker. So then, like, I remember, Kevin, you said it to me a long time ago, that if this club is geared towards, you know, give a young player's opportunity with, like, Rashford, Martial, Greenwood, when they're all thriving, why have you suddenly just thrown all of that out for Ronaldo? Who, no offence, he's very, very good, but it's like, what is the strategy from the club? But, like, how are you trying to develop these guys? Even Jaden Sancho, when you first got him, like... I think Oli must have thought he was some fast electric winger that is going to burn everybody just because he's mixed race. It's not like that. Like, you he's think, a technical you think, guy. Oli didn't look past the realm of this guy is a, a, a name I've heard before. Let me just get this guy so no one else can get him. Like, and what you said is very, very true. But why I'm not worried here is because you see, you see, you see, like, you know how, you know how we, we all agree that footballers are liars? <laughs> yeah. All, all those badges were not kissed when he came to, to Match United, yeah? If we venture not enter Champions League, he's not going to be here anyway. So I'm not worried. I've already made I've already made peace with my in, within myself that Ronaldo's left this club already. Like he's already out. When Ronaldo when Ronaldo sees us, he sees himself in like Madrid or Turin or somewhere. Or I don't know, man. He's not staying here. 100. Me signing Ronaldo was the biggest mistake you guys made after employing Ola. I'll tell you why. It's a hot take, but I'll tell you why. A player like Ronaldo irrespective of his age, I know for a fact, when you guys resigned him, you resigned him with the intention of building your team around him to feed him and get what you can out of him in however many mm-hmm. years later. The problem with that is that's not a sustainable team because Ronaldo Max has got two years left in him, maybe three at a push. Yeah. But building a team around him at this age makes zero sense because he's not the player he used to be anymore. So now he's basically being shoehorned into the team at the detriment of other players like Greenwood or whatever, because it's Ronaldo. <clears throat> You've got shirt sales to think about. You've got the cost of resigning him. Like you can't leave Ronaldo on the bench. Even if it's the right thing to do, you can't leave him on the bench. You would have been better off without him, in all honesty. Even I think it was an interview that um Buffon said the other day in an interview where he was talking about the effect Ronaldo had at Juventus, he was saying that before Ronaldo came, they played as a team and there was that cohesion there. But when um, Ronaldo left, he's like, things left in a mess and that wasn't like, 
they didn't play as a team anymore. Everything was just kind of built around him. And when he left, left a big mess behind. Mm-hmm. I feel like a similar thing will happen at United because you guys are probably going to try and build your team around him. But then when he inevitably has to either retire or move to another league, you've now like got this weird ragtag bunch of players that don't really fit. I, I completely agree. Like, I think I've seen enough at Manchester United and I've suffered enough at the hands of Ed Woodward that I don't really get excited anymore for these big names. Like, I feel like... When I hear, oh, United linked to Haaland, thinking, oh, God. We're just, we're, just, we're just increasing our alumni of talents who are ruining their lives. Like, <laughs> you, see, you, see, you see my United's PR team, yeah? They honestly need to be, there needs to be a United, like, United Nations, like, meeting on these people. Because these people don't know how to respect themselves. Do you mind see, oh, I'm not sure, probably, I'm not, I don't know if you might follow um, United, why would you? But we had the audacity to post um, Donny van der Beek, Beek. Yeah. Oh, 50 appearances. No. But I said 50 appearances. Had this guy even played up to 50 minutes? <laughs> I said, this guy, yeah, this guy is like, is like what's, it, what's it called? Uh, um, this guy is the Stanley of the Premier League. Just cameos, bro. He's the Stanley of the Premier League. Just your the occasional admin, cameo here and there. Your admin does not fear God. The fact yeah. that you posted that so confidently. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was thinking as well of another situation that came to pass from this game. Um, after the game, Ralph Ranick had his usual press conference and they were talking about why Martial wasn't in the squad. And Ranick said that Martial chose not to be in the squad and he didn't want to be in there. Then a few hours later, Martial came out on Instagram saying that, you know, he would never in his in the seven years refuse to play for the club and that he has so much respect for his teammates and the fans that he would just never do that. So do you lot think that Ranić is lying? And if so, what do you think? Um, I believe Martial, I'm not going to lie. He's been frozen out for whatever reason. And if I remember correctly, has he not asked for a move and they've made that move very difficult for him? Uh, yeah. I think it's, yeah. It's, it's... He's asked for a move and... They've kind of made it in a way that he essentially has to stay and play. So he can't really join another club. He'll probably end up leaving on a free transfer, which is what they don't want to happen, but will inevitably happen. It's, it's stupid from, from all aspects because I believe Martial personally, because realistically, you're leaving because of lack of game time. So why would you go now turn down game time? But in my opinion, and um, this is how I like to see things here, yeah. even if Martial in the rare case actually genuinely said he doesn't want to play, right? Why would a manager put that out publicly? Like, it just breaks any chance of him coming, wanted to, wanted to stay on. It's not professional at all. And it makes us the laughing stock of the Premier League, really. Like, we're just a team in disarray. We're like, we're like a reality TV show team. Like the, like the Real Housewives. That's how United are moving <laughs> this year. Too much, too much. The Real Housewives. You know, and the funny yeah. thing about this whole situation is, I feel like a lot of the English media, especially when it comes to black players, tend to have a very slanderous view of them. Like a lot of them were bringing up when Martial went AWOL in 2018. And, but that was because of like his wife gave birth or something like that. So that's why he was out of the United squad for a little bit of time in it before the, mm. the season started. So people just trying to put dirt on his name and it's just terrible. Like he hasn't really been the best in terms of, you know, his finishing and stuff, but. Um, you said that he's tried his best for United and he would never really like show it on professionalism as we've seen throughout the seven years he's been at United so I just feel like it's just a very bad attempt from Ranić to kind of put dirt on his name but we move to be honest anything yeah. else before we move on? Well I will say just a, just a little funny note I'd like to make about um best three, best three black players is Pogba's one is the funniest so let's say Pogba's been in the media for something negative or he said something or he's played badly, yeah. Have you noticed that if he has a new trim, yeah, the cameraman will purposely like zoom in on his new trim. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they want to be like, the oh, Pogba, I love it. They'll be like, Pogba had a bad game. Oh, look at look at your new skin fade. <laughs> That's how these are like, man. They got like green hair or some shit. Yeah, they did to start the fire in it because they know that United fans are gonna be watching it. But yeah, um, so let's go on to the next topic, which is Arsenal versus Liverpool. So on Thursday, after Klopp's 12 or 13 false positives, I can't remember how many now, the game got rescheduled to last week, Thursday. 
And to be honest, the Arsenal team, they made me proud because, you know, obviously you want to win in any circumstance and in any game. But after Shaka's stupidity of getting a red by doing some Kung Fu fighting, um, I felt that the team really decided to fight and to stay in the game. And even with Saka at the end, we probably could have even won the game. But I felt like it was really a good showing from us and we're in the game to the second leg, I guess. And we just got to finish it off now. So I'm wondering what you guys think before I talk anymore. I think you guys need to sell Shaka, um, Jaka, I'm not going to It's just too many times where it's an important game and he's, his lack of discipline just completely ruins it for you. Like at that level, you cannot be like that. It's just not, there's no way of excusing it. He's, I think he's the only other person that's got more red cards than him is not Sergio Ramos. Yeah, in whole of Europe. <laughs> that is a terrible stat. That is, I don't think you understand how bad that is. Like, some players don't even reach five red cards in their whole career. Xhaka gets that five red cards a season. There's just no way you guys can go forward to compete for anything serious with a player like that. Like, he's a ticking time bomb. You just don't know what he's going to do. That's the thing with him as well, because, like, for example, in the Euros, he was balling so much that like Shaka versus Pogba was an amazing spectacle to watch. He comes back, you know, he has a few decent games here and there. And then just, you know, those laps of concentration or moments of madness, let's call it, just creep in. There's at least once every month that some moment of madness will come with Shaka. And it's got what, to the point where, you know, it has to stop, man. What's that crazy stat again? Like, I saw this guy's had, like, more social media apologies than goal involvements or some shit. Yeah, they say. <laughs> <laughs> they say that since he joined Arsenal, he's made 19 apology posts. What's his goal involvements? I didn't even know about it. I can't be able to even search that right now, to be Do honest. you know what Xhaka is, yeah? Xhaka is you guys' Marcos Alonso. He is your Marcos Alonso. Yeah. He is your Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> The like, nothing with Shaka is like on a good day I see his qualities, but then stuff like that you cannot support it anymore. We have to replace him with someone that's more mobile, more reliable, can move up the pitch and back as well. Basically, a jack of all trades. Basically, is what we need next to party. I wouldn't even keep him as a squad player. He's too unpredictable. Like you can't field a player like that in an important match because he's, you're going into the game with ten men already because you know at some point this guy's going to do something dumb and get himself red carded. That's why even with the injustice from the City game, I couldn't exactly defend Shaka because it's like, even though Bernardo goes down easily, in my opinion, why is Shaka even trying to hold into a shirt at all? Like, you sold a decision to the referee, basically. So, it's too many of these moments. Like, it's just enough is enough, man. Get that Bruno guy from Leon and just be done with it at this point. Do be fair, like, I'll even, even like, so now you brought up that Man City thing before I go into my Liverpool analysis here. I personally feel like Shaka was better off closing the angle. So, like, he's obviously he's caught you off guard now. What you could have done was quickly turn around and probably push him out wide and probably, get, like, it would make, put, make, make it go out for Man City corner. So, I don't know. Shaka was well, easier said than done. Obviously, I've never played in the Premier League. So, I obviously know that's not, it's not, it's easy, easier said than done, yeah. But in reality, I just feel like he's, his footballing IQ is not the best, really. Like even when I looked at the crazy tackle he did in Liverpool game, it was just like it was so stupid. I honestly don't see what was going through his mind. But other than Shaka, really, I said this every episode, yeah. So Arsenal are actually they're actually a very good side because for you to be ten men against Liverpool and play in the like the manner and quality you guys did, you should hold your head extremely high. And I personally feel like a very good summer transfer window. And maybe some chinchin in January, you guys would be a very quality side. Probably even maybe quarters in the Champions League if you guys really play your cards well. And I feel like you know those things where you know a cup game, so not a cup game, like a cup competition. You never know how you know you saw what Tottenham did, but yeah, continue. Yeah, like don't don't get me wrong. I do believe you guys did benefit from Salah and Mane not being there. You know what I mean? We'll get onto their performances in AFCON because their man are, look, their man are not looking the same. Their man, let, their man let their, left their skills back in Liverpool. But I feel like, um, yeah, Arsenal are really, really becoming a very, very good side. And when I looked at the way Arsenal play, they play with so much confidence. Your, what's the average age of your team? Because the way you men are playing, you think they're all like 27, 28, like been here, been here, done that type of players. Arsenal estimate probably round about like Probably like 22. 20. Yeah. Sorry? Say again? It's, I, I probably, I it's, probably, it's probably around like 23. 
and, yeah. and and for them to be twenty three, um, average age of like around twenty three years um years of age, and playing like that, I'll be smiling every day as an Arsenal fan because your losses you see you see potential, your draws you see potential, your wins you see potential. That's what a team that's about to take over is all about. I'm not gonna lie, yeah, I feel like this Arab money which came to Newcastle woke you man up because you man have not been the same. According to ArsenalFCLatestNews.com, the average squad age is twenty five point three years old. And look that's at that. still very good, regardless. That's very, very good. Very, very good. And Ben White. Why well, after now mention Ben White? Because obviously he was the man of the match, yeah. When he first came and he's throwing against Brentford, I was thinking, yes, the next laughing stock of Arsenal <laughs> has come. But since then, he has honestly impressed me. I don't know whether I'm speaking through the lens of Harry Maguire's shit or I'm speaking through the lens of Ben White is good. That's the only thing. Ben White was a better signing than Varane to United, by the way. Oh, one hundred percent. I don't know what Varane we came, but this Varane is not the same, bro. I think we got the, <laughs> we got his twin brother or something, man. Because this Varane, this Varane getting caught off guard by Aston Villa. Like, quite frankly, I don't know what it is. Once they enter Carrington, something happens. Something generally happens, and then when they leave United, they don't get their shooting boots, and they become the boarders. The thing that I always say is that. As much as I love to banter United and write them off, like, you know, it's still a long season. You don't know what's going to happen next. And, like, top four is still not out of the question. So you just got to improve somehow. I don't see it improving much, but you never know in this world, innit? I have mentally prepared myself for temp. No, no, no. You know, okay, just just spare me. I have mentally prepared myself for temp. In the summer, we're losing Ronaldo. We're losing Pogba. We're most likely... We won't won't lose Lingard, yeah? Because Lingard knows playing for United is drip for him. You know what I mean? So we're going to lose Pogba. We're going to lose Ronaldo. We're most likely going to lose Van Der Beek. We're most likely going to lose uh, Martial. The United board is not competent enough to replace these players. So quite frankly, we are now going to fully embody the AC Milan. And as much as, it's, as much as I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this from now, yeah? When it's said and done, Oli, low-key, actually like was holding a broken vehicle with like Celtic. Oli actually held us in equilibrium. I remember off the podium, like, like, Oli, Oli back now. <laughs> like, Oli, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I said he wants Oli back, you know. Oh, my days, bro. I don't want him well, yeah, back um... yeah. But look, he tried. <laughs> but yeah, um, moving on. There's also more news that fell out from the Arsenal game, so... Arsenal came out of the Liverpool game with four knocks slash injuries to Tierney, Cedric, Chambers, and there was someone else I forgot. There was a fourth name. And then obviously Odegaard was out of the game with COVID as well. Then you factor into the uh, matter that we had four youth players on the bench, not first-team players. So it was Patino, Biref, Omar, Omari, and Salah. And in terms of what the Premier League stipulates, you have to have at least 14 first-team players for a game to go ahead. So you can see what I'm leading to. So there was mass outrage on Twitter and just basically everywhere that, you know, the North London derby got cancelled. So I just want to ask you guys what you think about the Premier League's rules, whether Arsenal have done the right thing, whether we've, you know, taken a bunch of a loophole, whatever you want to say, really. But I know my view, but I want to ask you guys first. So Denzel first. Um, do you know what? I can't even be mad at Arsenal. I don't think they've done anything anybody else hasn't done. That's the Premier League's fault for not being clear on how the rule should be executed. So it's all fine when someone else's club does it, but I don't see why everyone's making a big deal about it now. Like Liverpool had games postponed for a reason. Like everyone's done it at this point. I don't see why everyone's making a big deal that it's Arsenal. I get that the underlying thing here is the, the rules are being abused and that. It should be for COVID and not because you don't have your best 11 or whatever. But I mean, if something's clearly being exploited and it's your turn when you need it, you can't call Arsenal bad guys for doing what every other club's been doing. That's the failing of the Premier League. I think, like, my personal opinion on it is it's not Arsenal's fault because, like, realistically, if a rule is there to be manipulated, only a fool wouldn't manipulate it for your own favour, like, to keep your buck, you know what I mean? So, I have no issue with Arsenal doing what they did, you know what I mean? But the only th- question I kind of have from all this is, if they keep postponing all these games, yeah, 
when is the actual scheduled end of the Premier League season? Especially when there's a World Cup tournament around the corner. I really don't understand like what on earth is going on. And COVID has been here for a long period of time. And uh, you just kind of, I feel like there's no governing body in this country that can actually do their job properly. All the way up from Prime Minister, all the way down to Premier League. Like no one actually knows how to do their job. Everyone's just here because of, nep- because of nepotism, fam. Yeah, for me, the situation is crazy. I just feel like just salty fans just like to put everything on Arsenal. Just because Arsenal are doing it, then like, it gets attention. People start going mad. Like Jake, Jake Humphrey and Michael Richards both mentioned it, that they feel like people are actually making more noise of it just because Arsenal are involved. Like ever since Wenger and Thierry Henry came to this country, everybody has hated us. I'm telling you. That's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> Like, they've not recovered since. But, like... No, but a genuine question, though. How do you... What, okay, what changes would you man make to the COVID rules? That's one question I have. And two, the second question I also have is, what do you believe would be a viable end to the season? Because right now, what on earth is actually happening here? Are, you, are they going to just try to squeeze a game here and there when they can? Or are they going to try to cluster it in the end of the season? Yeah, as Denzel was saying, I feel like the rule should have been more stricter, maybe, just to say yeah. that you can postpone a game if you have a certain amount of COVID cases. Because the actual rule, which I think was introduced after a Leicester game, if I'm correct, mm. was saying that you can get a game cancelled, not cancelled, postponed if um, you have a mix of... So, for example, it includes players going to AFCON, suspensions, injuries, and COVID as well. So I feel mm. like the most pivotal factor in this current rule is if you've got COVID cases as well to add to those three. So I feel like that's what actually caused a cancellation. And it's not our fault that it has happened, basically. But, you know, I'm not complaining because Edu has not signed a midfielder. If we played on Sunday, it would be Patina and Lokonga or we move Ben White to midfield. So we would be in trouble regardless. Um, the Premier League handbook actually states that the league's board can only permit the rearrangement or postponement of a league match in exceptional circumstances. And these exceptional circumstances are decided on a case-by-case basis for each club. So there are no set rules that will determine whether or not a fixture gets cancelled. So there's too much ambiguity and subjectivity there for whether a match gets postponed. Essentially, it's, it's just done on a random basis, really, which is poor for something that big, because when you don't have a stringent set of rules for something that seems that obvious, that's when you get this situation where, like, some people, like, for us, we wanted to apply for games to be postponed. They said, no, we still had to play. Whereas other teams, they might get a yes. Like, it's just hit or miss. And it's, that's just the failing of the Premier League's rules, to be honest. I feel like it's an issue with just, in, with the English FA in general, just consistency from the people that make the rules, from the people that referee, there's always inconsistency everywhere. And that is a big issue that is plaguing it. And to answer Kevin's question, I'm not sure whether the, where the end in sight will be. That's for them to decide. I'm just a master's degree student. I have no clue about when the season's going to end, but they need to sort out something quickly. For the case of playing devil's advocate, yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. my official stance is I don't see what Arsenal did wrong, realistically. Who wouldn't play a rule to their advantage? However, to play devil's advocate, I personally feel like this could be an opportunity to actually give youth a chance. I feel like we're the only league in world football that youth don't get a chance, barring certain teams. Obviously, Rangnick is only the reason recently is only the one who actually gave youth a chance to play. Um, Chelsea, um, Tuchel's like filtering a good amount of youth into the team. Arsenal slowly filtering like a good amount of youth in the team, but a lot of teams don't really give youth a chance. I personally like, what's wrong? Why can't you put a youth player for the, the one-off game? It's not going to be consistent. But just give him the one-off Premier League game. Why could that be the case? You know, it is because this is a, the Premier League is a very, very special league in terms of the stakes are constantly high for every single club. Well, the only people yeah. like that, like, the stakes are not high in Bundesliga. The stakes only matter for Dortmund and Bayern. Everyone else is just there to get their TV rights money and hold 8-0 from Bayern. <laughs> no, but that's how it is in La Liga. Let's be real, nice. Only between what Barcelona, Madrid, Barca. and not even Barca, not even, these days, not even Barca, fam. Exactly, it's like Atletico and Madrid, Madrid right yeah. now. But Barca's now Paca. Yeah, that's the Barca. rest of them guys, same case as Bundesliga. But let's get their TV rights, money, eat paella, collect their little euros, whatever. We're chilling. <laughs> Premier League now, you've got at least in any given season. Like right now, this is probably 
the most competitive the Premier League's been in a long time. You've got at least eight clubs that can finish in the top six. Like from besides first place, from second all the way down to about seventh, anybody can finish anywhere right now. So everyone's got something to fight for. And there's even a couple of dark horses as well. So not a lot of teams can afford to just build their young players like that, knowing what's on the line. Like there's teams where in the initial stages, they might have said, cool, our only chance of winning something this season is like the Carabao Cup. They're going to have to play their strongest 11 for that. So the youth don't get a shout of shoe in there. Or FA Cup. If it's the early stages, cool. But when it gets to the later stages, the youth is getting phased out because of that cool. It's the only thing we can win. And then talk less of the league itself. Like, come on now. Imagine you're playing Man City and you're Wolves and you're playing on your academy. That's never going to work. So it's just an unfortunate, like, consequence of how competitive the Premier League is that some teams can afford to play their youth where they don't have anything to lose. But when you get to a certain level, the risk-reward ratio becomes asymmetrical and it's not worth it. I remember the... um. The game that us been knocked on Forest, we started Charlie Patino in that game. And I mm. feel like as much as he's going to be an amazing midfielder in the future for us, it was a game where it bypassed him. And that was mostly because he wasn't quite physically ready to play at the senior level, to be honest. And you fucked up, right? You know, you know, you fucked up right now. How? You, you reminded me. You just reminded me of that game, you know. Oh, wow. Here we go. You man wore, you man wore anti knife crime. I lie. And you held it for not. <laughs> <laughs> how you man let knife crime win <laughs> how, it's your front man you let knife crime win bro you you man um, your kits were white yeah they came in their best kit just to go and lose okay. to nottingham forest you man's kit was white yeah because the blood of us was on the pitch you man got murdered by nottingham forest full severe shame in your chest right now you um, man let knife crime win Hey, but they got let's two European we, cups, though. Let's, That's let's see if you lift the trophy oh. this season. Don't worry. Let's not forget. They've got they've got two European cups. Do you? Are you alive? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, just putting that, I'm just putting that out there without comment. They have two European cups. That's, That's like me celebrating Britain's victory in World War whatever. Why are you alive for that? We don't care. I'm just saying, in their club history, they won it twice. I'm just saying. Good for you. No, no, first the Baba Club, bus, um, Karis. You just have to, you just have to firm it in it. The bigger club won that day. I said the bigger club won. Anyway, all this diverting. Yeah, we'll get onto United a little bit more when we can. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like Patino wasn't physically ready for that game, and that's why a lot of players that are that, that young tend to have championship loans. And you see what Chelsea have done with a lot of their youth products. They sent them to a championship. Guys like. Um, Reese James at Wigan Mason Mount at Derby they got that experience in the more physical league and then came back so it leads on to Denzel's point saying that sometimes young players aren't physically ready so the Devil's Africa question was actually a really really good one which I appreciate you saying but mm. for me these are the reasons why it can't exactly happen but yeah. I think we can move on now to the Chelsea game which Denzel's probably if to say something about <laughs> so, <laughs> let's give him the one Let's give it a So, Chelsea and City was a 1-0 game. De Bruyne scored an amazing goal, rubbed it off Kante, feigned to pass it, and instead just struck it from distance. Beautiful goal. I think Sterling, for me, was the man of the match. He was amazing all game. He's very underrated at times, and we'll talk more about him. But I think Chelsea have a bit of reason to be concerned because throughout the game, they only had one shot on target, and obviously we can also look at Lukaku and how he performed. So, Denzel, you take it away and tell us how you felt about the game. Let me just talk about the game as a whole, first of all, yeah. That attack, that attack is not an attack. <laughs> what we what Tuchel fielded that day, yeah, is that sending a child to war with a wooden sword, expecting them to do something. Because that attack done zilch. First of all, yeah, let me start with the main issue. That's been the main issue for a couple of weeks now, Lukaku. This guy, I don't, I can't, I can't even say what he does well anymore. I'm not gonna. This guy lost every single aerial duel. Lost every aerial challenge, bro. As in, you are a striker that can play as a target man. You're not telling me Ruben Diaz is stronger physically than Lukaku, and you lost every aerial duel. 
everyone. Then part, I don't think Diaz played. It was um, who was it? That played? Was it Stones in the port. Stones and Laporte. You're telling me you lost every aerial duel to Stones. <laughs> Your head's gone. You thought it was Diaz. <laughs> I thought it was Diaz coming. Like, cool. Let me let that slide because Diaz is cold in it. But you lost every aerial duel to Stones, bro. John Stones. Does John Stones even? Does he even? Oh. Does he even bench? I'm joking. <laughs> like, bro. Then, then his hold up play. It, uh, where is it? Can someone point it out to me? I remember this one moment where he got the ball and started turning like a truck and then he lost the ball. And then everything he does, he cannot do the basics well, bro. And that's what pisses me off. And then taught, nah, do you know why I lost it? Yeah, I was like, you know what? Let me just turn off the TV. Beautiful, beautiful pass to him. I think it might have been Ziyech. I think it was Kovacic. It was Kovacic. Yeah, of course it was Kovacic, fam. He's gone through, clear on goal. He's got, he's beaten all the defenders. There's three men behind him. All he had to do was chip Edison. Edison was literally on the edge of the 18-yard box. This guy tried to finesse it around him. What happened? They got safe. In that position, there's no way a hundred million pound striker are telling me you could. I think even Timo Werner would have finished that. <laughs> I think he, I'm I not even lying. Saw. I think even Werner would have finished that, bro. Werner would have probably knocked it around him and knocked into an empty net or gone for the chip. I'm not gonna lie. He would have gone for the chip and missed, but at least he attempted it. Lukaku said, let me just go for power, inshallah. <laughs> and then he had the, oh, he's so frustrating to watch, fam. Like, honestly, that attack of Lukaku's and then Pulisic, I don't even want to get onto him. Like, if I speak, they'll take the podcast down. So I'm not even going to discuss that. I'm, I'm being so real, fam. I just I don't want to see him again. I'm not going to lie. Sell him to, sell him to FC Toronto or wherever, where he can do game seven playoffs and win a chip. Just take it, get rid of him. I'm not going to lie. I always said this from the jump. His goal against Liverpool was not fooling me. It's not fooling me, bro. Pulisic is just deep it, yeah? When you watch him, the amount of times this guy thinks he's playing for comps, he'll be dribbling, and then you need to pass. It's not him to pass. He's turned around and tried to beat the same player that he just beat anyway. What are you doing? When he should pass, he's trying to dribble. When he should dribble, he's trying to hit a first-time pass. You're not that guy, bro. You don't have that in your locker. Just, I can't with this club anymore, man. Do you remember when you told me that Saka would not start for Chelsea and that all your tackles are better? <laughs> now, that was before the Euros. Take that, back that was before the Euros. That was before the Euros, to be fair. And he wasn't playing like that. Now, mm. I, will, I will take Saka any day. What, an attack of Cho, Averts and Saka? We're not losing, man. Wait, wait. How would you move Hudson Odoi from that? Nah, don't yeah. remember. He's our most creative. If Hudson Odoi started that game, it would have been a different story. If Hudson Odoi started over Pulisic, it would have been a different story. If Hudson Odoi is serious, yeah, he should be playing for Ghana and Afcon right now. <laughs> <laughs> if Hudson Odoi was a serious person, he should be playing for, for Ghana right now. But like Lukaku. Oh wait, let me say one more thing. Yeah, do you know who surprised me? I'm not fully taking the slander back because I still want him gone. Yeah, but Malang so surprised me. <laughs> Can't like got a point still. Malang so was. Actually, one of the only decent players that game, fam. I was like, raw, like. <laughs> the brain, the boy. I'm not gonna lie. He's, he's, he's not. It doesn't mean that I want to keep seeing him playing at left wing back because that that whole image is cursed. But he actually was decent. Like him and Kante, one of the few players was like cool. But that whole attack is just. If I was Marina or whoever does the decisions for our transfers here, Ziyech is gone. Pulisic gone. Lukaku, fam, Newcastle's rebuilding, take him off our hands. We'll give it to you, give him to you for 55 mil. I don't even mind the 45 million loss. Just take him. I'm sure you guys can do something with him. Pulisic, off to MLS. Please go. Bye. The only attackers that I'd keep Havertz, Cho, Mount. Oh, how can I forget the main ring leader, fam? Werner as well. Werner gone. Straight away, fam. Immediately. I heard what's his name? I heard Hassan Hoot was trying to hold on to Broha. You can have Werner instead. Bring Broha back now. <laughs> Don't even think about trying to hold on to him. That's not happening, fam. Do you know what do you know what, do you know what can make any Chelsea fan have sleepless nights? Um Lukaku's in his prime and he still can't trap a ball. He, he has his ball control is do you, do you remember a second? When you watch yeah. him play, it's like he's fighting the ball, fam. 
I lie. I, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like you know, secondary school year. Remember when the strongest kid in your year was dribbling? Was dribbling? That one touch would knock it halfway across the pitch, fam. Yeah, like he would knock it. Yeah, it was like the guy, the, the guy in your year group, yeah, who so happened to be the strongest and the fastest in the year group. That's who Lukaku is. Like, do, do you remember that? Do you remember that um, clip when he was playing for West from West Brom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For West oh, yeah, Brom, I shared, I shared it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll link it underneath the podcast tweet. But basically, just to set the scene. It's got Jay-Z run this town in the background, which made me laugh already. So, <laughs> <laughs> he gets the ball in the halfway line. <laughs> Knocks it past one guy. Then Titus Bramble does the most deadest clearance I've ever seen. <coughs> he gets one touch. And he gets the third touch at Mignolet misses and it goes in. Is that three it's deflected off his shin into the net. But do you know what's killing me? It's that, it's that second. It's the first touch was mad. The first touch, I don't even know if you can call that a touch, man, because it went to the touch line. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't even know if you can call it a knock-on because he's I don't know if he's chasing his own touch or that was an intentional knock-on but this guy to set the scene yeah he's got the ball and he's tried to beat the defender so he's knocked it so far it's gone to practically the corner flag <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I got caught into the hype I was there thinking you know what he tore it Kevin was there telling us that it's the same Lukaku that left United and I said there's no I'm telling yeah. you I said it's just you just had a guard dog in Latara Martinez willing to do all the running. I told you, this guy has never been serious, bro. He dropped a couple pounds here and he, he was just dominating these Italian defenders. These Italian defenders ain't got no pace. There is no fufu in, in Italy, fam. So he this man was just... Go- he was beating yeah, Bonucci and Chiellini and, and everyone thought he was that guy, fam. Exactly. Like, I'll see Lukaku, yeah. Lukaku's fast, though. Like, one thing I'll give him that he's a physical entity. So he's fast enough. He'll just kick the ball, run, 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 body, 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 yeah, and score tappings from Latano Martinez. So this guy thought he'd made a career. But when Chelsea bought him, yeah, I was scared a little bit because the way he played the first two games, I was like, yeah, 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 this guy is serious. But this guy, bro, at 28 years old, you should be able to control the ball, bro. You know what I've just realised? And it's a very painful realisation. I don't even care if they flog me for this one, yeah. <laughs> Lukaku is just a polished Adama Traore. <laughs> The, thing is, the funny part is that Lukaku, he likes to drive down the right channel a lot, like, with pace. And I feel like he's at his best when he's got another striker next to him, like Lautaro yeah. at Inter. Yeah. Mm. That's why I said, like, I mean, even that then, I don't even know if that would work, but I always said that we should try playing 4 3 one, two, and pair him with Havertz to play false nine. So Havertz can do the grunt work and let Lukaku run through that right side. But even then, something will happen. And it's, I'm so glad Tuchel went on that interview and said, yeah, about how Lukaku's complained about service. Well, sometimes you need to be your own service. You need to make chances. And you got one, you didn't finish it. Like, flog him. Flog him, fam. Because this guy... Did you watch the match? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think the whole game, he only had one shot on target. You only had one shot on target the whole game anyway. Yeah, and that was that stupid shot that he took. This is what I'm saying. We play worse when he's there. Gianfranco Zola said it. Pat Nevin said it. Like We played better without him. We looked more of a problem when our front three was Havertz, Cho, Mount. Even though I don't really like watching Mount play as a winger, he did a better job than whatever Pulisic and Ziyech were doing. He did change your team. I want to ask you both one thing. Did you see at the end of the match where he did that Handshake with the brain. Why not? Where he does the little thing where they like oh. spot each other and they put their fingers up and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to spit on his head. I'm not gonna lie. Like, <laughs> you've put in <laughs> and you're there dapping up the ops. That's a piss take. Like, I don't feel like even when I lose on FIFA to the man, them I'm uh, when I lose. Uh, we're not that cool. Do you? We're, yeah, exactly. We're not that cool, Drew fam. There's beef a little bit. Like you've just oh, ruined. Oh. You've literally just lost a very decisive game in our title race. <laughs> and you're going up to this guy. Doing handshakes like you're in year four. I just, I don't understand how he thinks. Like, honestly, I just wish we didn't sign him at this point, man. 100 million, like, I get Abramovich is rich, but even he's losing sleep. 100 million is not small money, you know. That's money that you just piss down the toilet. And if we sell him now, you're going to have to, we're going to take at least, we're going to lose at least at the the minimum 40 mil. No one's buying Lukaku right now for more than 60 mil. I'm not going to lie. At a push, someone someone that's just excited and recently smart money like Newcastle, they'll be excited. They don't have to handle big money. They'll go and buy for sixty mil. 
or maybe even Southampton who got that the new shareholder or whatever. But even then, he won't be stupid because he was the former director of football at Brentford and I think um, FC Michelin as well. So he's smart enough to not even fall into that trap. But just get rid of him, man. I hope Barcelona's looking for someone there. Barcelona looking for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Send him to Barcelona. <laughs> I saw Barcelona on Indeed the other day, fam. These men are looking for bowlers, fam. <laughs> I said CV library. On the real though, yeah, I, I know it's not technically meant to be on the programme. I just want to ask you. You see Newcastle, how serious do you think their pool actually is? Because I'm under the opinion that for the right price, Mbappe and Haaland will link up at Newcastle. <laughs> the, 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 that's, you know, that's a bit too that's a, too, a bit too FIFA like but yeah. I think they got a decent one million a week one million a week they get like emerging talents they can do that Mbappe will dominate will happily dominate Nottingham Forest week in week out for one million a week no he's nah, doing I think, he, I think he's a fairly ambitious boy I mean his dream has always been to play for Madrid isn't it so I think maybe yeah. after he's played for Madrid he'll be like fuck it let me go to Newcastle and stat pad like 40 goals adventure, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But Haaland, uh, Haaland as well is like, I don't see him as someone that would end up leaving Dortmund to go play championship football. Like, what the hell is that? So do you think the Newcastle build would actually work? Like, who, It can you... work if they've got good scouts. If they've got good scouts and they manage to stay in the Premier League, they might be able to do a little sign. But as it stands, they're going down, aren't they? Yeah, but like... Newcastle... I think they're looking a lot better than they have before, if I, I remember correctly. They signed... What, Trippier and Chris Wood? Those are not bad signings to make in their current position. I mean, Chris Wood, that guy's a mercenary, fam. Matt said he just left Burnley high and dry for the bread and was like, you lot. They paid his, they paid his release clause, apparently. Yeah. Like a 20 million release clause or something like that. The best decision made uh, on that Joe Linton in midfield, fam. Yeah, that one was a stroke of genius, I can't lie. But apparently, Joel Linton was never even meant to be a striker anyway. He always started off as a midfielder and just ended up being pushed out of position by, what's his name? Bruce. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I can see Newcastle. I mean, they're poor, like, come on, you've got a man like, you know, Alan Shearer. That's the only drip they have, though. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but Solano, all these old bullets. Yeah, like, come on. They, they got their little, hey, did, what's his name? Gutierrez. Yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, man, like good here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's done his thing small, small. I'm Yobi, fam. Let's not forget Shola Yobi. I like what? They got enough pool, man. Well, all, I, all I'm going to say is, yeah, I think Newcastle have everything they need, yeah. And God, please let me not get cancelled, yeah. But we obviously know, we know what these owners have done to reporters before, innit? So we just we just we just know they're gonna get all the good press. That's what I'm saying. I'm not speaking to you on that one. We <laughs> know reporters end up missing still, so I'm not speaking too much on this one. Yo, but yeah, um, let's go on to another topic that is to do the city game again. What do you guys think of De Bruyne in this time in, in England and what legacy he'll leave? I think he, that's a good question to ask. I'm not gonna lie, he's probably the greatest Premier League midfielder ever. I second that. Yeah. He is, he's been instrumental to every single time City's won anything, basically. Like, I think if you remove him from that City team, they're not as scary as what they are now. He's a very big part of why people are scared to play City because, I mean, look what he did to us. He made something out of practically nothing. Like, he flicked a pass and pinged it out from, what, 20 yards into the bottom right corner. I don't even blame Kepa because he's got dinosaur arms in it and he had a decent game. But, De Bruyne is the decision maker on a match. He's the difference between you winning the game and you losing the game. He's the difference between you're tied at a 2-2 deadlock and then you manage to scrape a win at the 93rd minute. Like he can pour, he can make those magic moments of magic. He makes something out of nothing. You can bring out all the other Premier League greats mid for that. I love Fabregas, don't get me wrong. Fabregas yeah. is a Chelsea legend in my eyes, and I love that guy to bits. Whoa, that's shade. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure Karis don't really love him like that. <laughs> Karis does not love him. I'm saying nothing. But um, there's definitely an argument to be made that De Bruyne is a better midfielder than Fabregas. Mm. Even to say he's a better midfielder than, like, who else is up there? Do you know what? The only place where... In his prime, he was great, but I'd still choose De Bruyne over him was Ozil. I'm sorry, I'm choosing De Bruyne. I'm Ozil at Arsenal. I'm choosing De Bruyne 
I was thinking that as well, you know, because like if you, if you really want to be like in layman's perspective, Kevin De Bruyne is Ozil with a fin- with a shot on him. If Ozil could finish, that's Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Gundogan kind of he put a tweet in a Q and A that kind of summed up perfectly. He mm. was like, De Bruyne's got like good um a good long shot, good crossing, basically you know a good ball striker, and that Ozil had like amazing vision and passing and stuff like that in it. So for me, Ozil could see things that even someone like De Bruyne doesn't always get. But maybe I'm kind of downplaying De Bruyne to be honest, because De Bruyne is kind of level Ozil in my opinion. Maybe I like Ozil more because I'm, I'm more biased as an Arsenal fan, but mm-hmm. De Bruyne, at least for at least for his Premier League legacy, he's better for his Premier League legacy. He's done a lot more in the Premier League and will definitely be remembered up there. He's um, going to be legendary size, 100%. 100%. But then yeah, he'll be up there the likes of Gerard and Co. Don't you think? I think De Bruyne should be an argument of one of the best midfielders of like ever. Oh yeah, he's in that. Yeah, he's definitely top ten. There's no way you yeah. can make a list of the top ten midfielders and not include him in there. You know what I mean? Because like when when these men signed him from Wolfsburg, yeah, I, I did not think he was going to blossom like this. I'm not going to lie to you. When they signed him from Wolfsburg, he came to, he came to Chelsea before City. No, wait, no, but well, wasn't it Chelsea to Wolfsburg then Wolfsburg to, to City? City. Yeah. I swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When he came, yeah, I, I didn't expect much. I thought, oh, yeah, you know, another good player. You know, City are just like trying to buy everybody, yeah. But if you deep it, yeah, since he's come, especially with the tutelage of Guardiola, yeah, no matter who you put behind him, the midfield is still scary. Yeah. That's you know what I mean? The deciding factor, fam. Yeah. So it was just like, because he was still dominating midfields even when he had that dickhead um, behind him. Yeah, Fernandinho. <laughs> <laughs> Get me, so I don't know, man. The Bruins, yeah, the Bruins better um, than Bruno Fernandes. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so yeah, of course, the Bruins has done so much in the game, and of course, he's been a joy to watch. So we sad when he retires, of course, but he's done quite a lot. So moving on, I think we should talk a little bit about Afcon. So obviously, we've got two Nigerian guys here. So I want you <laughs> lot to talk about um how Nigeria have done so far and what you think their chances are to win the whole competition and also to set the scene as well. Time At the time of recording, Algeria lost to Equatorial Guinea and they were one of the favourites to win the competition. So what do you think coming that on. means for you guys? It's coming on. I want to know. It's coming on. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, <coming laughs> to Abuja. If, if Algeria and Egypt get knocked out, I'm not going to lie, who's really, who's really stopping us? Cameroon, bro. That's ourselves. Cameroon, who they got? Abuaka. That guy is not 21. <laughs> Let's start with that. That all, guy, bro. yeah, they need to do carbon dating on his bones to find his real age. <laughs> you know when you go in the lab and you get a fossil, you do carbon dating to find out yeah. how... That, they need to do that for him. You're telling me that uncle is 21, that I'm older than him. <laughs> to, to be fair, apparently he's a fib, yeah? So to be fair... Apparently, yeah. his actual professional age on like Wikipedia, well, I don't know, Wikipedia can be changed anyway. But like, on like the one football app and stuff like that, his age is like 29. But that's even still then, I still, uh, 100% still lie. 29. Multiply that by 1.75. These guys are Oga. This guy is like 35 minimum. <laughs> 35, 35 or 40 minimum. But like, to keep our buck here, yeah, I personally feel like, obviously, as a Nigerian guy, yeah, I'm going to say that I feel, like, I feel like Nigerian can go very, very far, if not win it. We didn't. However, from what I've seen from all African Afcon team, not even just talk about United, um, United Nigeria. Yeah. Why is every every team they just, they just ping it for no reason? Like they'll get the ball and ping it. Like there's no one there, no one, no no passes on. They'll just ping it each time. There's no link up play in Afcon. Everybody, no one plays football properly in Afcon. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like Afcon uh, is pure passion, and that's what makes it amazing, man. What game was it that was played? Yeah, that guy done that mad tackle in like the first forty five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what game it was, but that was and too funny. Studs um, up in the first minute of the game. He said, "Yeah, well, that's how we're setting the tone, from. bro." And then, <laughs> have you seen how? Have you seen that? First of all, people, people also people. You see those girls here who support Nigeria just because of the goalkeeper. Yeah, grow up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> generally grow up. <laughs> we're here for link. We're here for link up play, attacking football, triangles. In behind, that's what in for. We're not in for light skin or no light skin. Focus on the game. But about Nigeria, yeah. all have you noticed that all the players look overweight? <laughs> Pound I'm not clocked to be honest. I'm telling you, like, no, like, not not overweight. Like they look athletic, yeah. 
But they weren't there to go eat Eba. That's what all they've been eating in Afcon. Okay, them man, they don't they don't have a nutritionist or a dietitian, man. Like after the oh, game, no, straight super mole and J Rice. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, bro, oh, like it's coming they're, home. Man, they're built. Different. But the thing I like about Afcon is that it follows no scientific logic and that reputation not taken into account. Even guys that Riyad Mahrez today dropped a six point four against. This is how you know that Afcon does not care. Like what happened to Salah when to Nigeria? The super eagles. Fam, they made they made Salah look like one random year. Hmm. No, no, the way you look were bouncing yeah. Egypt off the pitch was nasty, man. Yeah, like, they couldn't handle it. I don't know, man. I don't yeah, know, so like... the way the table stands at the moment, we've got group A, first place is Cameroon with six points. Hmm. Second place, Burkina Faso with three points. <clears throat> Then you've got Cape Verde with three points and Ethiopia dead last with no points. Group B, we've got Guinea's got four points. Senegal second with four points. Got the exact same goal difference. That one's going to be tight. Malawi's got three points and Zimbabwe's got zero points. But I don't know Zimbabwe. Can we even name any Zimbabwe ballers from? No. <laughs> yeah, that one's a bit tight still. Um, Morocco, six points. Our Congo didn't qualify as mad. Yeah, mad. I'm not even going to talk about how they didn't qualify. That country is just dumb at times, but we move. <laughs> you need one Bissaka, bro. And, I, and what about Yannick Balassi? Never. <laughs> um, Gabon's got four Gabon. points. Ghana, he blasts us. They have one point. That's mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually mad. <laughs> hey, Ghana, what's I need Partey bro? back. They have to lose again. I want to play them for the Jalof Rice hey, Has Partey not been playing in AFCON? He has. So he what's happening there, bro? The Man said he's getting dominated by Gabon, you know. Aubameyang <laughs> uh, uh, and, and Morocco. Aubameyang less Gabon. Um, literally, that party is getting dominated by guys that have been in Prince Park. Group B, you've got Nigeria in first place. Obviously, come on, six points. Of course, fucking stupid. Egypt, second place, three points. Um, Guinea Bissau. One point. Sudan. Do you know what's mad? Sudan qualified and Congo didn't. And I cannot name oh, one Sudan player. Karis, you want to explain that? <laughs> um, leave me alone today, innit? I have nothing to say on this Congolese team, innit? Said, you might let, but World Cup be back. You might let Mauritania. No, deep it. Deep it. Teams like Comoros. <laughs> but Congo is... <laughs> The Democratic Republic of Congo did not qualify for AFCON. See, when, when is Arsenal? I have things to say. When is Congo? I have nothing to say at all. Just keep talking, innit? I cannot mad, name like... one player from Comoros. I cannot even show you Comoros on a map. <laughs> anyway. uh, but how, all jokes aside, though, like kind of like a serious topic here. Yeah? How do you feel AFCON is being like... I don't think Af- AFCON is pushed forward as much as it should. No, it isn't because of racism. <laughs> no, it's that simple. Yeah. There's actually not even a discussion. (laughs) Have you not seen Sky Sports Agenda, fam? Like on their Twitter page, they won't even tweet nothing. Oh, let me let me talk about that actually. Basically, there was an example where in one of the Ghana games, Benjamin Tete got a red card for punching someone in the face. Sky made that video available in all locations. Yeah. So then, when today Pepe scores a goal for Ivory Coast to win the game, I think I don't. Oh no, they drew the game anyway, but he scored a really good goal today. And it wasn't available in all locations. So it's like they pick and choose when they want to publicize things. And if anything, yep. they don't mind giving AFCON a negative perception in the public eye, which is kind of sad. They just see it as a lesser tournament because it's loads of African players because they have this whole belief that European football is more superior. I'm not going to lie. We've all seen how many times there have been poor fuck-ups and decisions in like Champions League, even Premier We're talking about Champions League. Premier League probably has the worst refereeing in Europe. Yep. So I and don't know why they always too. yeah. So I don't know why they always make it seem as if like oh yeah, there's such a high standard over here. There really isn't, bro. We didn't get one English ref going to the World Cup. Why is that? I'm pretty sure there were African officials at the World Cup, even if it's just like a linesman or something. But there weren't no English brothers in the World Cup. It's just it's very. I'm not surprised because that's just how they see it. Like it's very subtle, but sometimes they make it obvious that. They don't respect African football. It's all well and good when they're playing in Europe. 
and they're scoring for your team or whatever, and they're using pace and power to describe them like that's all they have. <laughs> but then mm. come to AFCON where they want to play their tournament, and it's like, oh, you don't need to waste time playing that. It's not a serious tournament, like it, but it is. But yeah, even, just even as well, like the way um. I can't remember exactly word for word, but even the way spaces are delegated in like the World Cup, Europe has less countries than Africa and they get more spaces. Africa and South America get the same amount of spaces for teams in the World Cup, but it doesn't make any sense. No, they've got to change that. Like, it's actually unbelievable how they don't have such consideration for African countries like this. And, you know, there's so much talent that deserves to be shown. Like, you know, the beauty of the cup runs, like, you know, Ghana in 2010. All these sorts of things. But yeah, I hope that the coverage changes and it becomes more positive because, you know, there's still potential for a lot of good ballers to come through. Even when Zambia had that good run and they um, won AFCON, that was an amazing story, for example. So I think that is probably the perfect way to end this week's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. I was joined today by my co-host, Karis, and my co-host, Denzel. Make sure to follow the pod on Twitter at the BTB pod. It was a pleasure recording with my brothers, as always. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. See you later and God bless.